episode five, not a bomb, starting right now. Welcome, folks. Tonight, I have with me across the aisle my bestest action buddy, Mr. Brad Anderson. How are you doing tonight, Brad? Doing fantastic. After this week, we will have to have two hands to count all of our episodes. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. I know, I know. They let us do this for five whole weeks. I know, it's cool. And, <laughs> and pretty soon, I'm, I'm thinking we might get into double digits. There's, there's hope there. Yeah, that's how math works. <laughs> um, my name is Troy, and happy to be with everybody tonight. Brad, um, you just mentioned the magic number five, which means it's an odd number, right? Which means last action hero. Yes, 1993's action spectacular starring Arnold Swartz and Braunschweiger, whatever. And a lot of other people. I had forgotten this cast is pretty good. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, before we get into this, are you doing good? How, how was, uh, how was the week so far since we talked last time? It, it's been great. Um, you know, given all the circumstances, I don't leave the house much, but you know, that's okay. Yeah. World's a little bit crazy. Um, really scary to get on social media and see all the, uh, um, <laughs> division, but you know yeah. what? Movies, that, that's what brings everybody together, the right? The Great Uniter, yes. Yes, um, and uh, it was certainly fun. I'll, I'll tell you what I did this week. So um, I I went back and listened to an older episode we did. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I'm, I'm still mad at you nine years later. Really? Because uh, you had been posting, just so everybody knows, if you want to get a little bit more of the history of Brad and Troy... Um, on the website for Not A Bomb, um, but also I believe you can search it out in iTunes, etc., and look for Movie Matchup, Brad has gone back and uh, posted all the old Movie Matchup pretension episodes. So he just posted one from this week that I totally forgot about um, because in that month we were doing Spooktober, which I, I think was the phrase that you, you coined for us, right? I, I think so. I think that was a, a copyright by uh, Brad Anderson. Yes, um, and... <laughs> The, the whole concept of movie matchup was to pick the pretentious um, movies. And, and we certainly went pretentious with the one you just posted. And we uh, we did Dario Argento's Inferno and um, House or Houzou. Houzou, yeah. Yes. Uh, and Brad, I, I totally forgot how much you hated those films. <laughs> yeah. I Wow. See, and, and I hate that because, like, you know, when you go into a movie, you're going to invest – say somewhere between 88 minutes and you know much longer and so you want to spend that time well and you want to enjoy it so when you come out hating something it's really difficult um because you want to like things because you're taking up time it's time you could be doing other things but boy oh boy hey i always hated Argent argento films because i i don't know i'm guess i'm just dumb and house was um not a so film, according to you. <laughs> yeah, it was so ridiculous. Um, and then, of course, our buddy Mike has that whole chapter in his book, um, which, you know, it was funny going back and you were, um, you know. He praises the it. heck out of it. I think I have the book. I read it. It's a great yeah. book. Would still yeah. plug it away. He's done another one, um, <laughs> My Year with Chevy. Um, but, uh, but boy, yeah, I hated those. <laughs> you you did. Um, I And I got to say, if anybody wants to see the, uh, or excuse me, hear The Wrath of Brad, a uh, great episode to 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 listen, um, but this week it it seems like already. Um, last week we we went with a uh, a childhood favorite of mine, 
I grew up on Remo Williams, um, The Adventure Begins, and we had an awesome guest, John. Um, we'll definitely have him back. And um, since it was an odd pick, you went the action route too, and you picked the last action here. Why? Why this one? I mean. I'm just I'm just curious. I'm sure we'll get into the details of it, but you you were pretty quick to jump on this one. Yeah, I think this was kind of my Remo Williams for me. Um, HBO would play this movie all the time, and um, so it comes out in '93. So it probably comes on HBO maybe '94, '95, something like that. So I'm you know 11, 12 years old. Perfect time for this movie. Um, you know when I'd had friends come over and spend the night. You know, we would usually go to Blockbuster. We would might get this one one out of five times or it would be on HBO. So we I've seen this movie no less than 20 times. And really? Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just a movie that like I just remember watching all the time, you know, when friends were over and stuff. And it just brought back good memories of staying up late, you know, sleeping in my basement on the couch uh, with a bunch of friends. So, um yeah, it's my nostalgia pick, so it's it's kind of your, it's my Remo Williams, and I figured it was, you talked about a film that you know you liked growing up, so I was like, well, let's do an action movie that I liked growing up. That's you know a little off the beaten path. So, did now I have to know this because um I was just telling you before the show this is one of the, one of the movies I was surprised when you picked this one. I thought I knew a lot about it, but I went down a rabbit hole on this one, buddy. Um. It was a highly publicized bomb at the time, and um, it has shown up actually in a couple of good books that we'll you know get to talk about here shortly. But one of the things I found fascinating was all the marketing material behind the scenes and all the action figures, etc. So I, I got to know. Um, oh, and for anybody, it went to space. The, it, the the marketing went to space. Well, it never went to space. Went to space, but it was supposed to. Yes, <laughs> it was supposed to, but but that bombed as well. Um, <laughs> But the action figures, uh, I guess Arnold Schwarzenegger um, vetoed the whole Jack Slater can have a gun. So did did you have any of the, the last action hero? I did. I had the Arnold. I had Ripper. And I think I had Danny as well. Um, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You and still, Do you still have them? I don't know. I want to go back to my parents' house because now I have kids and they kept a lot of my toys and now they're playing with them. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that maybe they're somewhere that my parents still have. But they would have had to have survived numerous garage sales and donations <laughs> and stuff. And I think by the time I was a little bit older, the Last Action Hero stuff probably was one of the first things to go. So, um, yeah. And I did research. There was a novelization of the film. We talked about that. For Re- there I had was. the Remo Williams novelization. I did not I read have the heck out of that. Did you have the last action hero one? I, I did not. I did not have the uh, did not have the novelization. But um, I did look it up on Amazon, and I have thought about just getting it. Um, but you know, in due time, I well, do want to. I do want to try to find some of the action figures. Um, I, I want you as well, and you you <laughs> should post them on Twitter with you and the family playing with them. That'll be awesome. <laughs> okay. All right, well, let, let's get into this thing. So, 1993's Last Action Hero, directed by John McTiernan. Brad, this thing came out at um, probably the worst time you could ever come out um, as a film in 1993. You want to talk about uh, the, the release? Yeah, so it comes out June 18th of 1993. Um, a little film comes out a week before. So, usually we go through all the films that come out around a movie. 
you would need to know one when it comes to this movie because it was Jurassic Park. Oh um, my comes God. out a comes out a week before uh, this movie and pretty much owns the entire summer. Um, the year. Heck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So so Jurassic Park goes on to gross about nine hundred and twelve million dollars. Um, Last Action Hero comes in at one thirty seven. Uh, that sounds little, like a lot of money though, Brad. Yeah, but so they spent eighty five, and you have Arnold Schwarzenegger starring, and the movie he does prior to Last Action Hero, it's a little film called Terminator Two, which makes. You know, I think over $500 million. So you have Arnold Schwarzenegger pretty much peak Arnold right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get this movie and you think, okay, we're going to spend 85 We're at least going to make half a billion easy. And, uh, well, and you don't. Well, they spent a lot of money on marketing. Like you said, they spent a ton of money trying to advertise in space. Yes. Which, how's the, uh, I wonder what the... What the audience in space is like. Are aliens big fans of Schwarzenegger, I guess? I don't know. He's probably from another planet, so <laughs> that might that might fit. But, yeah, so this I, – I, I was seeing some stuff where Schwarzenegger said he really wanted to push this movie like four weeks. Uh, Columbia said no way because they would eat – you know, they thought that was going to be even worse for the box office take because mm-hmm. then you're basically coming out in – July, end of mid-July, so you have and no they, summer left. Yeah, and they thought it would be bad press, too. So Yeah, and this um, movie already had bad press. Apparently, um, some test screenings uh, took place and got shredded, and so the, yes. the, the studio tried to kind of suppress all that and still kind of bad word of mouth, um, kind of, you know, this was pre-internet, but I think a lot of this was going around at how bad this movie was. Um and did you see some of the the like the late script changes and stuff that they wanted they did? Um, a lot of the film originally in the original screenplay all took place in kind of the Jack Slater world. Mm-hmm. Um, coming into the real world really wasn't uh, much of a focus. Um, so I don't think I would have liked to see that film probably more. Um, we'll get into that later, but you know this film was probably doomed to start. Um, High concept in 1993, but you're bringing it out as an action film in the summer, um, a week after Jurassic Park. Um, still starring Schwarzenegger, who is the biggest star of the time. Um, uh, McTiernan, uh, we were talking about his filmography, is a little up and down, but I mean, he's got Die Hard, he's got Predator under his belt, so it's not like he doesn't know how to do action. Um, yeah, it's just a weird movie. All around. It is so weird. It's so <laughs> weird that it has, it has popped up um, in a book. And so when we were talking about research, one of the things I stumbled across was a book called Hit and Run by Nancy Griffith and Kim Masters. Um, and so this book really talks about two specific people in Hollywood, John Peters and Peter Goober. Um, or yeah, G-U-B-E-R. So I'm going to say Goober. Um, <laughs> but if you, if you listen That's to... That's unfortunate. Yeah. If you listen to the synopsis of the book, um, I've got it here. It says, tells the improbable and often hilarious story of how two Hollywood film packagers went on a campaign to reinvent themselves as Hollywood executives. Now, um, they did it at Sony's expense. What's interesting about this book is there is an entire chapter called How They Built the Bomb. Do you know what that entire chapter is about, Brad? 
Uh, let me guess. Is it about Last Action Hero? It is entirely <laughs> about the Last Action Hero. And so you kind of touched on a couple of things um, that I think is super interesting about this film. Um, it was originally a screenplay called Extremely Violent, right? So um, Columbia purchased that screenplay from two people, uh, and they got a story credit uh, within the film. And it is Zach, Zap, excuse me, Zap Penn um, and Adam Leff. Or is it Zach Penn? You know what? I was writing notes, and I'm I'm hoping I don't say this. I think it's Zach. I, I would think I would. I think in the credits, I think I would have remembered a guy named Zap. Are Are you sure? Man, no. Not not <laughs> now that you question it. I have zero <laughs> confidence in myself. You're probably right. So it's we're gonna say Zach or Zap, and Troy is horrible at taking notes. But, anyways, um, these two write this screenplay, um, and everybody falls in love with it. But it's one of those screenplays where it's a spoof. On the movies done by John McTiernan, written by Shane Black, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. So they take that whole genre, they do it. Columbia says, great, we buy it. But then they take the script and, and they show it to Arnold. Arnold says, greatest thing he's read, right? Um, and he's in a bidding war at this time, because like you said, after Terminator 2, uh, I mean, he's calling all the shots. That was a huge movie, super successful. Everybody's going to Arnold, wanting the next big you know, thing. And how they get Arnold is, is they say we have this fantastic script that he likes, and he has um, really a lot of creative control in it. It's the first movie that Arnold's going to get like an executive producer credit on. Yeah, and there's actually a handful after, but I mean he doesn't. It's not like he. I figured, oh, after this he just gets an executive producer credit going forward, but it's actually not that common with him. So this was his first, and it's not like it happens all the time with his films going forward. Yeah, and that's a good point. And and to give you a little background on on what Zach and Adam have done before, like um, Zach has done PCU, Nutty Professor Two, Behind the Enemy Lines, Elektra, X Men, The Last Stand, The Incredible Hulk, The Avengers, and Ready Player One. So you he's got a mixed bag. Yes. Um, and then Adam has done PCU and Biodome. So the the script is actually out the uh, on the internet. You can read it. Um, the original script. Yeah. Not much made it into the final product, if anything, right? Yeah. Just yeah. really the concept. Um, and and there were things um, that uh, you know I, I believe the the ticket uh, the uh, can't remember the old guy that was taken that gives the Houdini ticket. Oh. I think it one I think in the early variation. Frank. Of the, yeah, the early version of the script it, he was actually supposed to be the devil or something. So um, it it was much That's darker. Weird. Yeah. yeah. It, it, much weirder. They give the script to Shane Black and David Arnett. Um, so Shane Black, uh, everybody should know Shane Black, who loves action films. Um, he's, his biggest brainchild is probably Lethal Weapon. Yes. He's also turned into a director. Um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys, The Predator, right? Um, and Shane Black has done, you know, other has written other movies like The Last Boy Scout. I don't know if you've seen that. Yes. I, I happen to love that. Um, actually met Shane Black when I was in college. He was friends with um, my academic advisor, so he came and talked to all of us um, at what point? Because I was a English major. I've known you for over ten years, <laughs> and this is the first I've ever heard that. So. Yes, he uh, he autographed my VHS copy of Lethal Weapon Two, and we got to like. Um, <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> talk with him all night, have dinner. Um, it was like six of us and the academic advisor and Shane Black, and he was telling us. So at the time, um, this was when uh, the Last Boy Scout was getting ready to come out. 
So I think he was the highest paid screenwriter at that point for that film specifically. I think so. I think that is correct. Um, yeah. Yeah, and super nice guy. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to reach back in my memory, and I think at one point he shared an apartment with Matt Groening, uh, Groening from The Simpsons. Um, oh, so wow. He's telling, yeah, he's telling all the stories of that, of getting out, and, and just the story of you know how he conceived Lethal Weapon, which you know it all started with the concept of um, a police officer who was sitting at his home with a gun in his head, and and it was that spark just kind of created the 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 whole genre of the cop on the edge being paired with somebody who's you know about out the door from a retirement. So um, super awesome guy, and and I think I'm I'm in the definite I love Shane Black camp, right? So are you? Oh yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. fantastic. Um, but they're not the only ones that did like uh, what would you call screen doctoring on yes. the, or script doctoring. Uh, if you read, Carrie Fisher did some as well. Um, I saw that and I was like, is that the same Carrie Fisher? And yes, it is, right? Do that all the time. Yeah. Um, she's known for her screenplays as much as she was for being Princess Leia. But what, oh, what is so amazing, if you, if you that's a bit this, of a stretch. She, <laughs> <laughs> no, she's 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 not no. Okay, okay. She has done a lot of stuff. Okay, so. Um, but this, this chapter, I'm telling you, I'm I'm fascinated with this book. But this entire chapter is all about the making of the last action hero, the behind the scenes, etc. Um, and it was um, super interesting to hear the stories about how involved Arnold Schwarzenegger was or um, really the producers and their involvement in it. And what was significant about this is you said it made, what, $135 million? Yeah, 137 somewhere around 137. there. Um, and it still lost, after its theatrical run, about $25, 27000000 million. Yeah, they had to write is, off about $26 million. Yeah, it's honestly, that's a lot of money, but compared to some of the other films that have bombed spectacularly, it's probably in the minor league. Um, but it it really did a number for the studio because they were putting all their eggs in, in this film and didn't have a lot going out. And you, you talked about the June 18th date. One of the reasons why they didn't want to move it is they really didn't fear Jurassic Park. So if you, th- but you think about it. Yeah, I know, this. I know, I know. The two you, films leading up to Jurassic Park were what? Spielberg did two movies before that. Uh, it's got to be Schindler's List is one of them, right? Nope. 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 It was Always. Oh. So that was um, his sort of pet project, which was a remake of um, Spencer Tracy film. Crap. And I can't even think about it right now. And then um, Hook. Which was oh, yeah, yeah, also yeah. not uh, financially not. good. So when they look at Spielberg's track record going into that date, they weren't really worried about pushing it back. But they also, to your point, said, "Well, if we continue pushing it, it's about 10 million a week is what they thought they lost." And to your point, there was one screening that happened in May. So um, they were only given about 10 or 11 months to shoot this thing, and they showed it to an audience in May. And it was a super rough cut. Like if you if you read the book, the the cut was so bad that half of the dialogue, like the audience really couldn't understand. So most of the jokes and stuff like that, they they didn't know if it was good or not because the audience wasn't reacting. But if you actually go look huh. at the work print, it, it was a really shoddy work print. Special effects weren't done, etc. And when they get the comment cards and everything back, they were so bad. Um, that they turned around and just said, oh, we're going to destroy the comment cards, and, and this uh, screening never happened. Yeah. Well, they had a mole at the studio who went <laughs> back and said, hey, we just showed this Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and um, we went ahead and destroyed the comment cards. 
So right then, everybody gets a hold of it and says they got a problem on their hands. Um, they were actually shooting this film up to a week before it was released. I saw that, and it was, you know, they were always kind of foot down on the accelerator going, going, going. Because you said, I think 10 months was the, you know, the whole time they had. So they started, this movie comes out in June, and I think they started like November of the previous year or something like that. I mean, it was crazy. So, yeah, they're they're going. Yeah, and, and after that disastrous May-like screening, they bring Shane Black back to do another rewrite of a few scenes. And again, they're doing reshoots up to about a week before it's released. My favorite line out of this entire chapter um, is, these changes were like Band-Aids on a terminally ill patient. Oof, that's harsh. That is harsh. <laughs> It's crazy. I mean, I, I encourage everybody to get this book. It's super interesting, um, and this chapter is a lot of fun to read. But um, it it didn't make. Uh, let's let's talk about its box office pull. So when it came out, you said 137. Um, makes 15 its first week. Um, so it makes, yeah, yeah. So it's not doing. It's only 50, uh, only 50 million domestic. So, um, you know, still not a great take. It's kind of crazy to think of Arnold not making much money in the U.S. Yeah, it, it, it didn't. But, I mean, it Jurassic Park was still number one. It was number one for a while, you know, during the summer. Um, and what is crazy about this is, did, did you read, like, some of the critical reception of this? I mean, where does this where does this sit now across all, like, the, the aggregator review board? Yeah, so... Right now, it's got it's a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is a 47. However, I went and looked at Amazon because, you know, Amazon, you can find five-star reviews for everything. Mm-hmm. This has um, 1,100 reviews in about 74% or five stars. So, you know, give or take that, you know, people like this movie on Amazon for some reason. So... Well, here's here's some of the critics. <laughs> Variety critic Todd McCarthy, Hollywood reporter Dwayne Burge, decimated Last Action Hero. Um, yeah. A noisy monstrosity, a joyless, <laughs> soulless machine of a movie. Last Action Hero is enough to make one nostalgic for Hudson Hawk. <laughs> I like that uh, see, I think some of these are a little unfair. <laughs> oh no, no, here's here's a good one. Monday, so the Monday following, you know, the debut, Time printed a review called The Dinosaur and the Dog. <laughs> wow. Yes. Today's Gene Shallot quipped, it's supposed to be a movie within a movie. Turns out it's a movie without a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Um, and, I, you know, leading up to this, Arnold was, was deeply involved in this thing, um, down to the poster. He even commissioned um, from, I guess, his his own pocket people to kind of do variations of the poster, and he was going back and forth. So um, there's a great story of somebody, you know, the studio executive showing him a poster, and he's saying, oh, my hair's not blowing in this poster. You need yeah. to take it back. And I like the poster a lot. I think the poster's, the poster's pretty pretty cool. Well, Arnold, Arnold kind of designed it, so um, he did a good job there, right? Yeah. Um, but he was really trying to make it... Uh, there, there was a conscientious effort to make this PG-13 because they wanted to go to a bigger audience. Um, they had kind of figured out at that time that, you know, if you if you play in that sweet spot between PG, PG-13, you're going to have a bigger box office draw than you would an R-rated at that time. 
Um, and But what's interesting is as soon as this thing gets released, they change the advertising and now all the print media and stuff like that, after you know the initial financials come out, they start showing Arnold with a gun and they're playing up the action portion of it as well. So um, it's, it, again, super, super fascinating movie to get released. Um, and what's even more fascinating is I told you, I did a lot of um, research on this. Um, <laughs> if you go to Arnold's biography, he did this biography called Total Recall by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Again, he has a chapter called Better Movie, <laughs> The Last Action Hero, or, right? So I, I'm going to, it would not be at this point a Not a Bomb podcast if we didn't get into some politics, right? <laughs> oh, yes, I know what you're going to say. Please continue. So, yes. So the release is, is kind of a bomb. You know, studio's up in the air. Schwarzenegger, um, he, he's kind of hurt by this one, right? Because he really put himself out there from an acting perspective. Yeah. This is his he, passion project. It is. He's totally involved in this. He, he gets to the point where, you know, even for the soundtrack, he's, he's starring in music videos with ACDC, um, all dressed up, you know, rocking out. So Great who video, do you blame way. for a movie that comes out in 1993 that doesn't do well? Well, Brad, let me let me read you some stuff from this chapter. Are you ready? Yeah. Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton had <sighs> just beaten George Bush in the 1992 presidential election. Those damn Democrats ruining movies. Yes, entertainment journalists were saying, I wonder what this means for the conservative hardcore action heroes like Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Are the audiences now more into peace and love? Politics came into it. As long as I'd been on a roll, I'd never been attacked for being a Republican, even though Hollywood and the entertainment press are generally liberal. Now that I was down, they could unload. Reagan and Bush were out, Republicans were out, and so were mindless action movies and all the macho shit. Now was the time for Bill Clinton and Tom Hanks and movies that had meaning. Mm. <laughs> it's funny now you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger in 2020 and he's like, you know, kind of kind of more liberal now. I mean, uh, I know he was a Republican governor. Of Cal- yeah, but yes. 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 Uh, yeah, so, I mean, a lot of finger pointing going on with this one. I mean, if, if you were to pick a film that um, any one of us, you or I, could champion on Not a Bomb. I mean, this one certainly came out from the public, from the view- viewing audience, a bomb. Um, and again, to your point, Arnold Schwarzenegger was on a roll at this point. So leading up to Last Action Hero, he did uh, Total Recall 1990. So we're talking about the 90s here, right? Kindergarten Cop 1990. Huge. Huge. Yeah, that was surprising me. So Total Recall 216 million worldwide. Which- Kindergarten Top. 201 Which, million. The thing about Total Recall coming out in 90 and being such a hard a sci-fi movie and making 200 million dollars is insane to me. Like um, I love that movie and I think it's great, but just you know look at like Blade Runner for instance. Yeah. High concept sci-fi does not make 200 million dollars. <laughs> a few years later Total Recall comes out and it's, you know, I smash hit. Um it's just funny to me that science fiction can be so wildly different and make wildly different amounts of money. But and then you have like yeah, so you go hard hardcore sci-fi to like straight comedy, which you know in Kindergarten Cop, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and then, then you, 
Terminator 2 follows that up. 520 yeah. million worldwide. Huge box office hit. Yes. Then comes Arnold Schwarzenegger, producer. Last action hero, 137. Now, you would think that given all the press and all that you read about this film, I mean, his career is done. And even if you read his you know, chapter of the biography, he was kind of looking at it as like a huge step backwards. But, you know, just after that movie getting released, I mean, he's back in front of the camera for James Cameron and doing True Lies, True Lies. in 94 yep. for $378 million worldwide. That was another big hit. Um, you know, I, it, this surprised me, too. I thought this next one was as big as the others, but he'd also did Junior in 1994, only pulled in $108 million. Yeah. Yeah, because Junior's not good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe it's not we'll good. see <laughs> um, Eraser in 1996 does 242 million I know which is a surprise I saw that and I was like oh my gosh I love Eraser it's ridiculous and it's fun it is but Arnold versus Alligators yeah it's amazing <laughs> but Jesus Christ 240 million dollars is insane for that movie yeah it then drops down to Jingle All the Way 1996 129 million Batman and, Batman and Robin <laughs> that movie's fun for a whole different reason 238 million here's here's the one that really shocked me so i'll just put it out there on the lower tier schwarzenegger films i always group a couple of them there right um in terms of quality success etc um and it's always um conan the destroyer right after conan the barbarian went an entirely different direction with that one right and i think it was pg as well yeah i agree with that one and i always put last action hero in there because we'll, we'll get into the talk about it but it, it's just one of those where i'm like oh that was not that was what not one of arnold schwarzenegger's like more successful ones in my head i had always put the end of days in there turns out that's not true it made 211 million worldwide yeah, usually, I mean, you're saying like all these movies at least make $200 million. I mean, that's insane to me that he was so big on movies that, I mean, End of Days is just an okay movie. And you're making $200 million with Arnold, basically because of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and if anything, End of Days is fun just to hear Arnold try to pronounce the word ambulance. Oh, that's right. Is it, um, um, ambulance? I always get that movie in <laughs> six day confused. I will never be able to tell those two movies apart. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just can't. Yeah. And then behind the scenes, John McTiernan, you talked about this a little bit. He had about 11 films in his career, approximately. Um, started with 86's Nomads. You, you mentioned a couple of these already. Did Predator. Um, then followed that up with Die Hard. Followed that up with The Hunt for Red October. And then followed that up with The Medicine Man. Yeah. John Connery. Um, that movie's horrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, but that, that three... Terrible. Three films stretch there with Predator, Die Hard, and Hunt for Red October. That's huge. Like, that, there's not many directors that have three films like that in their filmography. I would say for that stretch of time, for the last half of the 80s going right into 1990, um, one of the best action directors out there. And I mean, Easily. He did, he did Die Hard. I mean, that, that for me is a top five film all time. Um, follows Last Action Hero with um, Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is fantastic. Um, but, you know, <laughs> kind of fall. Thomas Ooh. Crown Affair, 13th Warrior. I like we, 13th Warrior. 13th Warrior is good. Um, that, that actually Huge might make it on the show. Huge bomb. Huge bomb. Yes, that might make it on the show at some point. Um, this next one confuses me, like how he got involved. Rollerball. Rollerball, yeah. In 2002. 
Um, and I think the la- he has something in production, but really the last thing he's done is uh, Basic, and that's the John Travolta one, right? Yeah. 2003. 2003, yeah. He hasn't done anything in 17 years. Yep. So you have one at, now talking 1993 here, you have one of the best action directors out there, right? You have the, probably the most iconic action star was just at the height of everything that they're doing. You have probably one of the best action writers attached to this thing, Shane Black, plus, you know, other good writers. Um, It's going to be a grand slam, right? It's going to be a grand slam. Are we ready to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger's The Last Action Hero? Of course. I've, yes, yes. Well, I've been gonna, dying all week to talk about this. I I want to kick it over to you because I know um, I got to just go on an auditory journey last week and and relive my entire love for Rima Williams. <laughs> only, I, to, only for me to throw up all over it. Only for you to throw up all <laughs> over it and just you know kick me in the face and uh, tell me how boring it is. But Brad, let's let's talk let's talk last. <laughs> Last action hero. I, I want to hear your thoughts on this thing. Right off the bat, this movie is 100% just ridiculous. Out the door, it's the plot's ridiculous. Houdini plays a huge part in the plot. Yes. Um, at one point in time, the Grim Reaper shows up. Um, Tywin Lannister is the bad guy. Charles Dance, which he's a great bad guy. He's a great... I, I think the, the Benedict character is actually pretty good. There's a character named Leo Lafarte. Um, who well, can we can we talk about Charles Dance? So my yes. favorite story about him is that apparently they tried to hire Alan Rickman from Die Hard, right? Which Hans? Yeah, why not? Yeah, too expensive, and so they give it to Charles Dance. So Charles Dance shows up on the set with a shirt that says "I'm cheaper than Alan Rickman." <laughs> I like that. I love that, and <laughs> you're right. Charles Dance as Benedict is probably the 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 star of this film. We really didn't talk about who was all in this, but Arnold Schwarzenegger, F. Murray Abram as John Practice, Art Carney as last movie. Yes, Frank, Frank and that's his favorite nephew cousin. Yep. Okay, something. Um, Charles Dance we talked about Tom Noonan Ripper. Yes, yes. Which yes. I think the Ripper character is, is a cool character, and and Noonan is unrecognizable in the. Uh, Face pain and all that. Oh, the, and the makeup and everything. And the process, pretty, yeah. Freaking yeah. scary, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ian McKellen as death. Uh, and Mercedes Rule as mom. I don't think she had a name. It was yeah, just mom. Yeah, Yep. Um, and the little kid, Danny, played by Austin O'Brien. Which he was in, uh, what was that film? It wasn't My Girl. It was My the Girl other. My Girl 2. Yes, okay. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's ridiculous. Um it's, I think this movie's fun though. It's 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 a satire and it's meta. Is um, it? Is it? Because so I I like to like. Is it is it really a satire and meta? I think so. I, I I try to like stretch things out to see like how many where I can get it to connect to like Scream. The Scream's like one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Okay, hold on. And, whoa, 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 you're. You're comparing last action hero no, I'm just to saying, scream like, the, at this point. The, the meta cinema can be traced to like, you know, you got this and then like New Nightmare and then uh-huh. Scream. So, you know, it, it's got a lineage towards Scream. Um, again, I think some of the scenes are, I don't know, the, the, the cars blowing up when they get shot, I think is ridiculous and funny. Um, the fact that, you know, no one ever has to reload guns. 
Um, you know, all these kind of like stereotypical things we used to think about in with action movies like, hey, he that gun only holds eight rounds, but he shot it 27 times. He should have reloaded three times or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and gosh, everything's exploding and... You know, there's no way that guy would have survived doing that. And um, he was just in a tar pit, and now he's completely clean. What happened? You know, it plays into all those things. I know it's not a great um, movie, and it's overly long. But I still had a lot of fun with this movie. And I think it's um, some of Arnold's best work. Because I think if he's not in this movie, it is not good at all. So I think the fact that he's kind of having a lot of fun doing it, I think helps a lot. And you're looking at me, and I think you're gonna like start saying some mean stuff. So why don't I'm you go ahead? Say, I just I'm I'm trying to process it because I'm still I'm still like I don't know 15 sentences back when you put scream and last action hero in like the same sentence. It's just John. the meta cinema, like. Well, let's. I, I, I all right. Let me put it to you this way. So let's talk scream. Let's talk Last Action Hero. Ooh, yes, let's talk Scream. <laughs> yes, but I want to throw another film in there, Gremlins 2. Okay. Okay, so... It's in the movie. Okay, sorry. Well, uh, oh, yeah, but... Um, so, Last Action Hero, what what kind of film is it? Is is it an action film? Is it a comedy? Is it a family film? Is What what is it? Is it all of it? Is I it don't, none of it? Is it... I don't know if I would say it's a family film... Um, I know they're trying to be a little more family friendly, but um, mm. okay, so it's definitely an action movie because it's got action in the title, so it's got to be an action movie. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, let's start there. So, t- tell me what your favorite action scene is. Uh, probably the shootout um, when Danny first enters into the Jack Slater world. So when he um, when he pops up in the Cadillac. Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, Al Leong gets uh, killed with the uh, ice cream cone. Yeah. The exploding. Uh, yes. Ice cream truck. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, and he's changing the music as he goes. Um, I think that's a cool sequence. You know, there's a lot of jumping cars and, hey, we're going to throw this dummy in the air uh, to signify that he's dead, which <laughs> I think is kind of dummies fun. in this film. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of just, hey, let's just throw a dummy in the air and let it land. Um, you know, that it. It kind of culminates into the playing chicken and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's a good sequence, good action sequence. Yeah, I, I mean, my initial when it was when it was done um, is for a movie called Last Action Hero. I did enjoy that sequence um, only because I think that is the one point in time, and I'll specifically talk about the ice cream truck exploding him getting killed with an ice cream cone in the back of his head, falling forward. And I can't remember the line Schwarzenegger says, but it's like he a says, double nice, wing. nice dead guy, cone of phrase. Yeah. But he's like, I, I iced him or something like that yeah. too. I, I mean, there was like a back to back thing there and that little sequence kind of works, but um, man, for, for an action film, I just, it just didn't have a lot. I mean, they kind of neuter the action. action. They kind of neuter the action a little they, bit. Yeah, they're they're really what I mean for something that is supposed to satire or parody action films. Ew, ooh, man, they did they needed action to do that. Um, I'm even thinking about like um, this the uh, the crane sequence with Leo Defart, which yeah. we'll get to that in a minute when we <laughs> talk about the comedy. Um, but. 
you you've got the helicopter you know shooting up the elevator sequence and him hanging off the elevator only to hang on the dead body that's being again the special effects didn't hold up well in this thing it doesn't look that exciting um and it seems to drag on like i I really think there's an editing and pacing issue with that whole sequence too yeah yeah and the fact that like and so another you know these are all stormtroopers so like yeah Everyone, he gets shot at millions of times and never gets shot. Well, he does get shot, but, you know, never gets shot. Um, even there's the guy when they're at his ex-wife's house who's oh. literally standing right in front of him and yeah. starts shooting and misses. And, of course, he dives to the ground and the guy doesn't, like, point the gun to the ground and start shooting again. But, you know, again, ridiculous. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, let's talk about the uh, ex-wife's house where um, his daughter shows up and, um, you know, all the the goons show up with uh, Benedict and um, that whole sequence is horrible. I'm sorry. Wait, what? The the whole sequence of him having the shootout but then flipping off the balcony and Danny getting the bike and then the little E.T. sequence and then, oh, I'm a sidekick and he's going to run over that the special effects didn't age well on it. Um, no, no, the ET stuff did not. It's not funny. <laughs> sing, sing that like cartoon go across yeah. the uh, the uh, rooftops is a little bit like oh gosh, ninety three, rough. Uh, yeah, real rough. And you know, I I texted you while I was watching this. It was like the first movie I have seen in a long time where I was wishing I was watching like the VHS version versus on Blu-ray because on Blu-ray it is one of the worst Blu-rays I've ever seen. Um, but that's only because I don't think they spent a lot of money in like uh, punching it up from a picture quality. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I just it, that's my first problem with the film is it's trying to be all those things and um, call out all those action tropes within the film. Um, and I think they're spot on with the action tropes and what they're trying to do. It's just that the illustrative version of it or the action that they're they're trying to attach it to is just not that good like i i think the biggest problem with this film is that it's supposed to be a parody of action films and and the script gets all of you know the cliches right but the things that they attach the cliches to just don't work and the reason why i bring up like gremlins 2 or scream specifically is i think those are two films that are trying to parody the genre or the film that they're mocking and they visually attach those cliches and that parody to things that are memorable and interesting. And, you know, if you look at Gremlins 2, Joe Dante comes in here and it's a bomb, right? Of he course. gets all this money and they say, well, go make another Gremlins. And so he doesn't just make another Gremlins. He's making fun of the whole fact that he has to make Gremlins 2. And he creates a this whole new breed the new batch of, yes this whole new breed of gremlins that just goes off the rails to parody what he did you know with the first one and I I think that's funny I think it's successful and memorable whereas the action you know last action hero they're they're trying to work this script and they're saying okay get this visual director like McTiernan but I don't I don't know if they gave instructions to McTiernan I, I feel like they told John McTiernan make a kids action film. It does feel a little too kitty uh, for my liking. Um, looking at it in 2020, I yeah, you know, he put a bomb in a guy called Leo Defart and pull his finger to activate it, and then <laughs> swing it around on a crane and then drop it in a tar pit, and and that's that right there is the equivalent of the action in the last action hero. You think that was funny? His name was Leo Defart. 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no. no, I'll put it this way. It it is a like in the back of my head I'm like I should be laughing at this. <laughs> when he pulled his finger, I'm like I should be chuckling that he had to pull his finger to activate the bomb in a guy called Leo Defart. <laughs> Why am I not laughing? <laughs> <laughs> I just, and and maybe it's because some people that, just don't get humor. I guess so because <laughs> at that point I'm I'm just I'm I'm thinking like I, probably my my biggest reaction to this is when after I watched the film because I didn't want to do all the research and kind of come into this film because I hadn't watched it in years um, with with sort of a tainted perception right but to read all this stuff afterwards I feel like this movie was the rough cut that they should have shown in May and, and fixed then, it and then came back and said, Oh, let's make it a tighter film. If we were going to do reshoots, let's do this stuff. And I, I really think there's a very, very good movie in here. Um, but it, it never made it to the final product because what they ended up delivering was like the, the first pass at it. It's two hours and 10 minutes long. Like, yeah, it's it a high. Feel, it feels like four hours. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a high concepts like action movie, you know, because you're going between worlds and again, Houdini plays a big part of it. And I looked at the runtime, I was like, two hours and ten minutes. I'm like, that can't be right. And like, sure enough, it's yes, yes. Well, it's I, I really think what happened was um, there there's so many competing visions in this film. I mean, I I think it really is schizophrenic. It doesn't have an identity crisis and Well, so so I think that's kind of indicative of like the the bad guy. So you have the Ripper and you have Benedict. Yes. You have two great bad guys. The Ripper comes back. Well, you have three bad guys. You have the Anthony Quinn bad guy too, which is the Yeah, but he's supposed to be the main villain, but he ends up not being the main villain. It's Benedict. Yeah. But like the Ripper comes back and you're like, "Oh, this is going to be cool. He's going to and he's literally gone in 30 seconds." So he comes back and is like gone. And then, of course, and then you have like, oh, you know, Benedict's now the bad guy. And, of course, you know, he gets killed really quick, but he shoots Arnold. So now the kind of the whole crux of the movie is like getting him back into the fake movie world. So Death shows up. Yes. You know, I like that sequence when Death shows up and Danny kind of makes a stand and says, hey, you're not taking this one. Um, and I, I guess what I read was that that section was part of the original script, which makes total sense. Yeah, because it's dark. If the, and <laughs> it, yeah, if it's supposed to be a, a bit of a darker film, but th- that's a great example of there's actually a really good scene with that interaction when Death is coming to check out Jack Slater, and this kid is standing in between them saying, you know, hey, look at my life. It's crap. I don't have a dad. Don't know why, et cetera, right? Um you, you can't take my father figure that he's kind of grown up to or attached to by going to the films. Yeah. There, there's something really good there, but it, 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 it just doesn't belong in this film. No, it does not. It does not <laughs> at all. <laughs> Cause that uh, comes it, out of, he comes out of seven seal, right? Yeah. 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 Which it, when I went into this movie, I was like, I'm going to get a seven seal reference to this. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, it's uh, just it's, weird that it's like, huh? And you know, Hamlet's there's a Hamlet scene in this movie and which which if you read reviews about it like everybody goes on like the the so the best review I can find about this film and even the ones today because you know you do a little internet search what do people think about it um, and you always have this well last action hero needs to be revisited etc but if you read the crust of every review like if you if you get into it every review is the same came out in 93 
big bomb, blah, 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 blah. Look at all the stuff that happened around it. Maybe Schwarzenegger is right. You know, the liberals had it in for him, right? <laughs> um, but everybody says the same thing about this film. It's not as bad as you remember. That That's about the best praise that anybody can come up with this thing. It's not that bad. It's actually kind of good. I would say that um, it's it's as bad as it was in 93 <laughs> as it is today. <laughs> oh, Troy. Are you trying to get back at me for Remo Williams? I I'm sorry. I thought I was until I watched it with my daughter, and after it was over, I, I turned to her, and I'm like, you've seen this before, right? She's like, yeah, I kind of remember it. And So we watched film, and what do you think? And she goes, oh, I'll come on your podcast and give a review. And I'm like, oh, would you? She goes, yeah, it sucks. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right. Um, <sighs> Need a little I, bit more than that, but, you know, I get it. Yeah, and I don't – here's the thing. I don't, I don't think it's um, – how do I say this? I find it to be a fascinating film. Like I, I think it's the best example. So Hollywood, Hollywood's interesting because you, it's supposed to be art for profit, right? So they sadly, spend, yes. Yeah, they spend millions of. Well, dollars. it's a business. It's a business. It's it's totally a business, right? And and you have sections of Hollywood that puts out very pretentious movies that maybe you and I like that weren't necessarily designed for like big profit. You hope that you know one hits big and it pays for the other ones that maybe didn't make it across the finish yeah. line. It's just a real interesting um, industry and that's probably why I like talking about it. And I find this one to be one of the most interesting ones. So, I mean, if, if I say anything, Brad, like my, my favorite movie um, that we just talked about last week, I didn't put as much research as I did into this one. Heck, I went out and bought a couple of books on it um, <laughs> just just to understand what was going on behind the scenes. But you can definitely tell it's a movie made by committee. And Schwarzenegger is all over the place. He puts his heart and soul into it. I just, I, it lacks vision. I have one question for you. Yes. So Arnold Schwarzenegger exists in our world, right? Yep. Okay. And Jack Slater is in the Jack Slater world. So when they go to the th- the movie, the, into the movie rental place, Sly Stallone is playing Terminator. Terminator. Yes. But Arnold Schwarzenegger exists. My, my head hurts. <laughs> okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger exists. Yes. Be- because he's playing Jack Slater in right. our world. Yes. So why would Sly Stallone be playing the Terminator when Arnold Schwarzenegger exists? Because it's funny. Okay. <laughs> to put Sly Stallone on a motorcycle and um, well, I mean, okay. So let let's talk about this for a second. So Sharon Stone's in it, right? Um, yes. Well, briefly. Briefly, right? Has the same outfit, the cameo from Basic Instinct. Yeah. Danny uh, DeVito plays a cartoon cat. Does that is that in Remo Williams? No. No, okay, you got me on that. Um, it 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 has a cartoon cat voiced by Danny DeVito, um, which is very Robert. Uh, what was it? Um, Who framed Roger Rabbit? I, yes. I, I'll tell you another sequence that I thought I thought was funny when I first saw it um, was the whole uh, assignment desk within the police station when they're matching all the cops up and it's oh well you get to you know a colorized version of Humphrey Bogart yeah. or you know the and I'm like, oh, okay, another nice jab at what's going on in terms of the good cop, bad cop, that whole thing. Yeah. Fell flat this time. Yeah. I, I just. What's up was, with the open office in this police station? It's like so open. It's like, what? 
like so modern. It's weird. It's like this open office style police station. I'm like, what's eh, with all the leather? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I mean, uh, and, and, you know, but the things I did find were kind of funny was the whole video store sequence. When he walks in there, sees the Sylvester Stallone and, um, oh, uh, what was her name? Angie. Uh, she was a model at the time. She's the blockbuster. She, um, she was in the Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood film oh okay i'm supposed to remember that yes you are um Uh, but i thought that sequence is funny how they're pointing out like hey look in your world there's there's not like any average people in here everybody looks you know five 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 yeah yeah, yeah. yes that i i enjoyed those little movie nods and and i thought the humor and the reaction like that this is what i find so weird about the film like that sequence i like a lot like between um Danny and Jack Slater, I really liked that interaction. I kind of liked the interaction between those two going back and forth. My, f- You want to know my favorite part of the entire film is? The real world stuff. Really? I, I, so when it, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if, I don't know if it's because I have like an affection for Woody Allen's Purple, Purple Rosa Cairo, I think is what it was called, um, where, you know, you have a, a, somebody coming from the film and screen to interact with me if, Pharaoh, and that's what the whole film's about. I, I liked that film. I thought it was pretty funny. I liked um, I liked Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny's relationship in that, and I thought it it was actually more interesting than when they were in the Jack Slater. World. You like the you like Arnold when he's vulnerable. I I like vulnerable <laughs> Arnold. I I like the whole you know sequence of you know them running into each other and um, that whole line of you've caused me nothing but pain. I mean. To me, that's when the movie got interesting. Um, and the whole, you know, um, spoiler alert, how, you know, the showdown, how that unfolds and how he ends up getting shot and, you know, death shows up. That that whole back half, I actually, that third act, I really enjoyed the third act. I well, find the third act is super rushed, though. It, it is super rushed. And, and to me, that's that's the drawback of this film is like I wanted more. What I, I thought it was funny how you said that most of the script was supposed to be in Jack Slater's world. Um, and I don't think I would have enjoyed that film. I would have enjoyed more if they'd taken the third act and drawn that out a little bit. Yeah. Um, like that whole sequence when, um, Benedict is, <laughs> he shoots a guy, I guess in a garage. Yeah. And he's watching his watch to see if the cops are going to show it. And then he goes out there. He had, I just shot a guy and he's <laughs> shouting it. And nothing happens to him. I, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the real, uh, hmm. The problem with the real world stuff is you lose all the ridiculousness that this movie is going for. And I don't think you, it's that ridiculous. I know, but it, like cars blowing up and, and you know not get, being able to get shot and never reloading and all the leather, you say. But um, <laughs> I, I have a hard time just with the third act itself because I think it's – they were trying – so – Benedict's plan is to bring all these creatures into the real world. Yes, Dracula, Freddy Krueger, would be Animal really, Lecter. which would be really cool. And maybe if this film was successful, we would have gotten something like that. But or um, if they hadn't blown all the money on the advertising with NASA. Yeah. So none of that stuff like comes close. He gets the Ripper, and the Ripper is killed in almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um. So. I, there's this grand scheme that like never gets off the ground because a it would be super expensive and 
I don't even know if Columbia has all the rights to some of those characters, so it, it could be be impossible. But um, I don't know if I like the real world stuff, so I think I disagree with you. I, that's my long <laughs> my long way of coming around and saying I think you're wrong on the real world stuff. No, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, um, like I said, I I found the second act where he's really in that world not as Looney Tunes or ridiculous enough for me to make it good satire. But when he gets to the third act and when you get vulnerable, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm like, okay, well, he's exercising his acting chops a little bit. And I like the sequences in there. And, and I think, um, yeah, I, I think it worked. I just, I, I probably would have liked the second act if there had been, and probably the best way to say it is if, if they had done a little bit more Gremlins 2 <laughs> in the second act versus just kind of producing bland, unmemorable action sequences and commenting on it. Yeah, because that's pretty low ball, right? Like, just to say, oh, aren't, aren't action movies ridiculous? Like, I think they're ridiculous by nature. Like, the, this, this thing already... I, I, I need to go back. I would really like to read the original screenplay. But if you go back and watch Commando, like, part of Commando's charm is it has built-in ridiculous qualities within the action. Yeah. So if you're going to parody or satire that, you really have to do something to, like, um, amp it up to really illustrate how just far-fetched it is. And I would say last... if Now, let me ask you this question. How ridiculous is the action in this film versus Commando? Oh, it's they're not even comparable. It's tame, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so how can it be a satire of Commando when it is like this tame, lame action? No, I get it. Yes. Yeah, I. that's a valid point, and I have no counter-argument, but it's still a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I'm not I'm not trying to talk you out of your enjoyment. I, I wouldn't say, this. no, so honestly, I wouldn't say this is a, a good movie. I think it's a movie that... Um, kind of washes over you and, and and has some fun parts. Um, now, whether you can have fun is up to you, but, um, and, and, and again, I think this movie completely falls apart if Arnold Schwarzenegger is not in this movie. I would agree with that as long as you said if it was Arnold Schwarzenegger and Charles Dance. Okay. Like my, yes, my, yes. my favorite character was Charles Dance, okay. even more so than Arnold Schwarzenegger. But Charles Dance, comparatively, screen time is 20 minutes. Arnold is pretty much every scene. Yeah, so, I agree. But I, I love when Charles Dance is, you know, always correcting Anthony Quinn with those quips, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just like Charles Dance on the screen when he's owning that character. And to me, he's pointing out the ridiculous stuff as much as the Danny character is. Yeah. Um, and, and just his, again, because I probably enjoyed the, Charles Dance is probably more in the real world stuff that he is in the Jack Slater world. Um, and I think his sequences there of just seeing the mugging, you know, on the sidewalk and nothing's happening and people are walking by it. I mean, he, so he goes, really the, just, the stealing of the shoes, he goes, yes, get his shoes. Oh, yeah, I like that. It's, I like that. it's, he's such a good actor, man. I mean, yes. I, I couldn't imagine Alan Rickman in this. I, I really think. Charles Dance is, is so good at that. Point. Yeah, it would have been different. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, Rickman is also great, obviously, but this is a this is a cool character for Charles Dance, and he'll always be 
great for me because he was on Game of Thrones. So I, I <laughs> were you a Game of Thrones guy? Uh, you know, it was one of those where I watched the first two seasons. I need to go back and finish it. Um, Boy, I read the first three books, and at some point. I think it was the books that turned me off because I, I, I felt like I was taking notes while I'm reading this. Yeah, it's homework. It is. And um, I get the series. It's, it's fantastic. It's just uh, the, the rest of the family has powered through it all. Um, but while they were watching that, I was I was watching people getting kicked in the face with, you know, kung fu movies. And yeah, I get like it. That. I get it. There's only... So I'll, I'll go back to it. I'm, I I loved what I saw. and it. it if you like Charles fantastic. Dance, then... I love Charles Dance. He's a big part of the first few seasons of... Game of Thrones, so. Yes, and I'll say this. I mean, seeing him in this film makes me, like, want to push Game of Thrones up, up further in the list because I liked him so much in this. Yeah, I, I had, so, you know, in 93 and when I watched this, you know, I haven't seen this movie in a, in a while, but I had forgotten that Charles Dance was in this movie and he was Benedict. So when, you know, I'm starting to watch this and it says Charles Dance, I'm like, oh, my gosh, Charles Dance, like, kind of perk up a little bit. So oh, it was yeah. a nice, it was a nice, nice surprise. Um. Oh, you know what we have not talked about? Oh, okay, I, I'll give you this. The one thing this film gets right. <laughs> the one. Okay, here, let me hear the one. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, okay. So l- let me just say, everything else about it is like uh, a misfire. Okay. <laughs> it, it's, it's a jumbled mess. But there is one thing that is not a jumbled mess that I really appreciate for this film. And can you... D- 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 come on, Brad. It's... The soundtrack. The soundtrack, yes. Come on. Um, big guns. You like big, big guns? guns? Yeah. Well, what I thought was in- interesting. So on the soundtrack, Angry um, Again. Yes, twelve tracks from ACDC, Alice in Chains, Megadeth, yes. Queensrÿche, Def Leppard, Anthrax, Aerosmith, Alice in Chains, Cypress Hill, Fishbone, Tesla. I mean, come on, man. But what's interesting about this is if you go to iTunes, you can't get the soundtrack. You can get like five songs off of it. Okay, so Troy, this is I know. This is a audio medium. Yes. You're showing me the soundtrack in your hand for people who can't see. So. Okay, I'm showing you the soundtrack yes. in my hand for people who can't see on CD. Yes. Yes. Pretty spectacular. It, it is, and and this is a. And we hit our is, quota. We hit our quota for talking about a movie soundtrack. So you know. Oh check yeah, there that. we go. We got politics. We got soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we hit them all. Missing here. No, this is I I, I forgot I was listening to the. Uh, well, when we're watching the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that's Oh, is that, is that Anthrax? Is that Megadeth? And I'm like, I bet you that's Queens, right? So, and then you get to the end and, you know, Def Leppard, Power Ballad. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think I have this soundtrack. Go ahead and pull it up. And voila. And, uh, of course, I'm forcing the entire family to uh, listen to this on the way to the softball game. So, A-plus for last action here on that. Well, Mr. Razzie nominated uh, ACDC Big Gun for worst uh, movie song or something like that. So Mr. Razzie can suck it because I yeah. love that song. <laughs> I know. I think it's great. <laughs> I, I hate ACDC, but I think that's a great song. I'm not going to well, lie. Oh, and you speak of the Razzie. I mean, apparently this thing like uh, swept, got tons of nominations. For Didn't win Awards, anything, right? but I think it had like six nominations. Worst yes. film, uh, probably worst actor. Worst screenplay, you know, all those. So I, I feel like we need to like really do a deep dive on the Razzie Awards um, because uh, that would. Uh, that I'd rather would not. <laughs> well, no, no. If you think about it, when Oscar season comes around, if they're gonna have an Oscar season, we could do uh, not a bomb, you know, Razzie picks that weren't bombs, yeah. right? So yeah. see, where, see where my brain's going. I got it. I got yes. it. Yes. All right. So um, what else? What else is there to talk about this so cinematic? Do- so, do you think that Danny character is tolerable in this movie? Because, you know, you have your kid sidekick. 
your short round, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Danny okay? Danny's okay. I, I, I did not mind. Well, let me put it to you this way. The scenes with Danny and Schwarzenegger are good. The stuff with out Schwarzenegger. Danny alone is pretty is, intolerable. Is hard to swallow, right? Yes. Um, and I, I don't know if it's that um, he, he's real. He's he's acting the crap out of those scenes. You you can tell, right? Yeah. Stuff with Mercedes Rule, etc. And um, that whole um, oh I don't know it, I, that sequence where some hooligan busts into his apartment. And then puts the knife on the uh, the sink and says, "Oh, you're gonna stab me!" And turns around and and you see all this emotion in Danny and how horrible his life is. Um, I, I just I don't think he sells it <laughs> at all. Yeah, he's a kid actor. I, I know, but I mean, there's a lot of really good kid actors. This, yeah. This kid isn't one of them, unless he's with Schwarzenegger. And then I think he's he's actually a lot of fun. And again, I I would also put out there, can't say it enough. You get to that third part. When he's doing that little dramatic, um, you know, monologue with death, uh, I I think it really works. It just doesn't belong in this film. Yeah, that's so weird. That's such a weird part. I I had kind of forgotten about that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the Grim Reaper is walking around this movie. Like, there's no way that should be in this movie. Yeah, I I tell you what, one thing that did make me sad was the movie theater itself, because those it was all run down. It was, and and um. I, I live in the Baltimore area, and we have the Parkway, which is an older theater from, you know, built 1919, full balcony, et cetera. And um, what's amazing about that theater, and when theaters were open, that was our go-to. They just yeah. showed older independent films, um, revivals, stuff like that, but they stopped the deterioration. So when you when you walked into that theater, it's gorgeous theater, new sound, screen, et cetera, but it really felt like you were, you were back watching movies you know back in 1920 yeah um and it and it's just absolutely gorgeous and uh seeing that theater i guess in new york city where danny's supposed to be um man i, I really wish they'd just taken a tour of that film real quick or something, or that theater real quick just to see it all i hope it's not torn down but i grew up i grew up in lexington and we had the kentucky theater which was an old theater like yes that. i saw the uh i saw blair witch project there and will still be one of my favorite memories of all time and yeah seeing that old theater all run down was really kind of a bummer yeah and it and i guess in the film it's going to be bulldozed for a, a cinemark megaplex or something like yeah. that which we can we can uh talk about that someday like your best that'd be a good question for a guest best viewing experience Ooh. yeah, yeah. i'm gonna write that one down okay so troy yes is lax action hero a bomb yes it is <laughs> Wow! <laughs> I'm not going to hesitate on that. Wow! And it is not in retaliation for Remo. I want to make that so clear. So I'm not, I'm not saying that because. Gotta take the headphone. Wow! Wow! No, okay. I just hear me out on this. Hear me. So it, it's a mess. Oh, um, 100% agree. It is 100%. And I would say this, like most, um, m- most messes that come together like this. You can gravitate to enough to it that you kind of go, well, I'm going to get through this sequence because I want to get to this next sequence that I really like a lot, right? Um, and I totally, 100%, after reading all about it, understanding what went into this film, understand why it derailed, makes total sense to me. It's it, kind of a miracle that it like came out. It, it is, but I think it's one of those where 
you know, Sony in, in this division of their studio was so anxious to get a franchise going, right? It didn't have a franchise at the time. Um, the, la- the last big hits that it was dealing with was like Ghostbusters. So, you know, Warner Brothers had the lethal weapon. And so they were trying to get something started with this. Um, and they, they put everything into it. The, on- the only problem is they didn't start with a clear enough vision. So, you know, this is a good example of somebody coming in with an action director, an action screenwriter, an action star, and nobody deciding on what kind of movie they're going to make. So, there are scenes in this movie I like a lot, but it's, I mean, I own it, and I do... Well, that's not fair. You own everything. Yeah, shush. (laughs) Um, I do enjoy going back to watch it for what it is. But if you were to ask me, like, hey, is, is it rightly a bomb? I'd be like, yeah, it's it, it's a bomb. Okay. And how about you, Brad? Hey, spoiler alert, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> you think it it's is, a bomb? Oh, 100%. This, uh, because it is an absolute train wreck. I like it, but it is a train wreck, and I would never, ever recommend anyone watch this because of the fact that it says it's last action hero and the action is neutered and yes the first i think the first hour is okay um and then i think it really kind of hits the brakes kind of like remo um but like the inverse of that where the second half of remo is a little bit better than the first half i think the first half of this movie is way better um once you get into like the jack slater world um, for that first kind of 30 minutes where there's somewhat of an action scene and it's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, this movie is an absolute train wreck. Um, I like it because of the nostalgia factor because I watched it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but separated from that, um, it is, uh, boy, it is, it is weird and it's, again... Houdini is a plot point in this movie. <laughs> the Houdini like, ticket. Like, yes, we haven't gotten into it, but like, the magic ticket is because it was gifted to him by Houdini himself. Which I'm like, okay, <sighs> we I, wasted time on that. I can understand. I'll I'll give you this that I can understand why Remo doesn't hit with you. And I I would say this like the the thing that I like about this film is to the back end. It's the third act, but the stuff you got to get to to get there, it just it really feels like a, a, a slog, right? Yeah. And I can understand somebody who comes into Remo Williams and says, oh, I had to get through this part to get to this sequence that I really liked, but it just doesn't do anything past that. So I, watching this, understand your perspective where it's like, hey, if, if maybe that third act had done more for me or it was pushed up sooner, I, I might appreciate this film a little bit more. I, I would still go on a limb and say, Remo's better <laughs> but um i would also be the first to admit that i i am probably jaded my nostalgia for it. i mean for goodness sakes as soon as we do that podcast i'm out there reading remo comics and remo posts so i just love that character so much um and maybe that's the difference for me is <sighs> i can't get behind the jack slater thing like to me there is nothing to latch on to as arnold for jack slater versus there was for you know like fred ward as remo williams yeah, and I think the problem, another problem with this movie is there is two movies in this because mm-hmm. it's, you know, Jack Slater and it's the real world stuff. And 
it just becomes a kind of a jumbled mess. And the problem is then you have like two villains and, you know, you, they're both pretty interesting. Um, so I think this would have worked better if, you know, maybe the Ripper was the only villain. I, I don't know. But like the fact that there's just kind of so much going on and they had to stretch it out for over two hours to kind of bring it all together. It just kind of shows how little focus they had on a cohesive plot. And I think that might be my biggest gripe with the movie. It's just, it's not cohesive. And I, I agree with you that. Can, I mean, you can, like, you know, drive a truck through all these plot holes and stuff like that. So. And, and I know they're supposed to be intentional. Like, I totally get that they're intentional. But just because you call stuff out, doesn't make it okay for you to then do it <laughs> right yes yeah i, agree. I can't I agree. say watch me i'm gonna murder someone and then do it and be like but i said i was gonna do it so it's okay and i was like that's not how it works like when people say hey i'm gonna tell a bad joke and they tell a bad joke you still told a bad joke it, just because you called it out doesn't mean it's okay yeah it it almost feels like um somebody i don't know if you've ever seen those uh I, god i think they made a ton of them remember the scary movies was there a scary movie? Oh, one, yeah. two, three, four? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, or Hot like, Shots. Hot Shots. Well, hold on. Hot yeah. Shots is amazing, so let's not... <laughs> I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> okay, but let, we'll use Hot Shots. <laughs> but somebody, you know, uh, gives them a script that's kind of like that, that pokes fun at, you know, <laughs> Rambo, which was Hot Shots Part 2, or, you know, Top Gun, which is Hot Shots. And um, McTiernan or Schwarzenegger says, oh, you know, we're not going to go into the potty humor, so we're going to elevate at the level. We're going to be more satiric, right? You know? Yeah. And it just doesn't work, right? Yeah, they try to be too. They try to be too smart with it. Yeah, and it and you, I don't know. You so you it loses. To, it loses the fun. It loses the fun, but then it's not smart either. I mean, I don't know. Like like I said, if it, to me, if somebody were to ask me, like, what's a good example of um, the real world commingling with film, I would I would always kind of say, you know, regardless of your um, politics for Woody Allen, but you know, go watch Purple Rose of Cairo. I think that's that's a great film, and and it's it's how you do this kind of topic correctly. What um, about what about New Nightmare? <laughs> oh, strangely, yeah, you know, strangely, I really love that movie. New Nightmares, you know, I didn't even think about that, but that's another good example. I would say go look at that one, and it does it very well. Yeah, and then it gets better in Scream. So. Oh yes, Scream is probably the pinnacle of it. Agreed. Yes. Because then after that, you're just kind of parroting Scream. I think you can only do that like one time and then it even scream gets too screamy <laughs> with each scream like it's too screamy, you know, cause like the second no, one, you're right, you're like, right, you're right. now you find yourself in a sequel. So, you know, it's so whatever. Um, okay. So we both agree double bomb. Wow. I think this is the first time we've ever had a double bomb. Wow, five I, episodes in. Do I get to pick anymore? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you picked this one. I was I was super excited to go back and visit. And even after I watched it, and I'm like, oh, well, my, my part of the research is to go back and, you know, look at the director, the cast. And it was when I started reading about the screenplay and how that came about and who started writing that. And they're like, oh, go read this book, which, again, you know, everybody go check out Hit and Run. Um, it's pretty fantastic. I'm I'm starting that up now after reading this chapter. But uh, it, there was so much going into this, and it is fascinating. I mean, I do think somebody can make a case that if you look at how this film was um, making the transition in early '90s to what action movies, act, you know, were becoming at that point, 
Um, it it just I don't know. I I don't buy the whole thing that Clinton comes into office and all of a sudden the action no. movie's out the door. No. But I do think it's kind of fascinating that you know you had to change it up a little bit. Like you couldn't make the action movies of the eighties anymore in the nineties. Yeah. But you can't make anything the same for 10 years. Oh, I agree. People just get, yeah. Well, that's not true. I mean, we'll look at the expendables. They turned around and waited long enough. Then went back and made a movie. Again, everything old is new again, but you can't keep making the same movie over and over. Audiences just get tired of it. It's not a thing of politics. It's, Okay, we've seen this done so many times. Let's do something different. I mean, slashers were a huge thing, and then it, you know, turned into horror, turned into something else, and then, you know, the torture porn stuff came back, and then it was, you know, haunted house sort of stuff or possession films. It's just things just got to keep moving, and then we'll go back to slashers at some point in time. Yeah, that's true. Well, next episode is number six. So we my pick. So. June has kind of turned into inadvertently our action month. So well, not are you necessarily gonna... since we're in July. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is time? Sorry. I even looked... pandemic's got us all messed up. The worst part about that is I even looked down at my time <laughs> and it said seven twelve, and I was like, oh, June. So I'm sorry. July has turned into action month for us. So are you going to continue that trend into next week? I, I am. Um, I I've not. I, I haven't got my fill of action. So I thought, you know, I did a nostalgia pick. We kind of kicked it off with that, right? Yep. You did a nostalgia pick um, with Last Action Hero. I thought, well, let's not do a nostalgia pick, but let's go after an action film, um, even in the science fiction category that it seems universally there's a lot of love for it out there, but it bombed when it came out. And again, it's one of those films, kind of like Attack the Block. Uh, Every once in a while, something pops up and it's like, oh, hey, I hear they're making a sequel. Or I hear the star is still attached to it and he's still talking about it and he still wants to do this and et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I actually think it's going to be an interesting conversation given some, again, of the politics that are happening um, today. So I thought uh, we would go ahead and discuss Dread. Not, du- not Judge Dread, but Dread. Dread, yes, not not the Stallone, because <laughs> I think we would we 2012? Would both... Is that yes. when that came out? It would okay. be 2012. It stars Carl, um, Carl Urban. Urban and Lena Hetty. Yeah, Lena Hetty. Thrones. Right. Another Leather Lannister. Yes. So um, I thought this would be an interesting pick, kind of continue with the action. That means, you know, if we're really going to make July, then your pick has to be action too. But, That's fine. Uh, um, I, I thought this would be a good one. I, I mean, Dread, when it came out, was a 3D film. Um, saw it got, in the theater. Yeah, saw it in the theater, 3D as well. I remember loving it um, when I first saw it in 2012, and I've watched it several times since. Um, but I've never watched it probably from a critical perspective, um, like dissected it, et cetera. Yep. Um, and I don't know how familiar you are with the Dread comics either, the Judge Dread comics. I am not very familiar. Um, from what I remember of this movie, it's kind of reminiscent of The Raid a little bit, where it's just kind of we're going up th- floor to floor sort of deal, right? Yes. Okay. And it's funny you should say that, but um, The Raid, when it came out, came out a year before. Okay. 
I kind of so thought that's how that worked. It was about the same time, but this this will be interesting because I I don't know about you. I mean, um, I love Carl Urban. I mm-hmm. think he's yes. He's, uh, he, he's just a versatile actor. I love I love him in The Boys. I don't know if you're watching that series on Amazon. Um, but I thought this would be fun, and I think uh, we're still working out the details, but we may have a guest. So more on that um, soon. But a good friend of Brad and I might be joining um, to talk about this as well. But. Um, Brad, what about all the cool details of how people can get a hold of us and tell us their thoughts on The Last Action Hero? Uh, our, our email is um, notabombpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at notabombpod. Um, again, Troy and I are not great at social media. We are horrible. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm ever going to do something on Facebook. Um kind of have some issues with facebook obviously um but so we are going to be twitter on twitter going forward that's fine um you can you can follow us interact with us there um give us some suggestions um we've got to send us an email we've got a list but that list can always expand um we're going to have guests come on so we want to give them a big list to choose from um again for the following week, I have to f- uh, figure out an action movie. So if anyone has a good action movie that they think would be um, good in our lineup, um, send it our way. Um, Joy and I have kind of thought about maybe doing some theme months coming forward. So we'll um, start kind of putting that stuff together too. Um, and I will say this, Troy. I don't know if it's because, you know, the first few episodes are kind of slow to grow. Remo Williams was awfully popular <laughs> comparatively, so Curtis I don't Remo know. Remo Williams. Yeah. So. Um, You're in the wrong, Brad. The I know. world is trying to tell you this. Your wife is right, okay? Well, Na- that, that goes without right. saying. <laughs> no, and um, we can go ahead and talk about this. We, we're still trying to work out the details, but uh, all of this reconnecting Brad and I have been doing um, with the podcast. And again, I mean, for us, it's. It's just an excuse to maybe save a few texts that have been going back and forth for like the last 10 years. And yeah. Just uh, carve out time in the night. Now we're just talking about the same movie the whole week and not like a myriad of different ones. We're more focused. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but we did kind of debate because uh, we've had some people talk about a movie matchup. And so um, there have been a couple of films that we've gone back and forth and just said, hey, what about this one? And then we do a little research and we're like, yeah, that, that wasn't a bomb. Um, that was actually really successful. So we are going to be doing a movie matchup episode uh, here in the next few weeks. More on that to come. And uh, as soon as we put that in the can, record it, and put it up, we'll tell you all about it as well. Yeah, so, I'm kind of excited about that one. Too. Yeah, I think our plan for that is movie matchup once a month. Yes. Um, the only because with that, it's two movies. You got to compare. It's you know a little bit more work um, than just this and. We're not going to stop doing this weekly either. So, you know, we have to find another day to record, which is totally fine. I'm not complaining about that. This is a fun time for me. So it's like not work or anything like that. But, you know, we want it to be good and we don't want it to feel rushed and stuff like that. So once a month, movie matchup. I like the alliteration to movie matchup monthly. So, <laughs> well, yeah, that, I, that, boom. See, you're so good. Branding. You're so good, buddy. I should so be in marketing. God. <laughs> Well, listen, folks, um, I, Brad, thanks for picking this one. I had 
I had a blast uh, talking about it. I had a blast reading about it, researching it, watching it, listening to the soundtrack again, man. I, it's been awesome, man. Angry it's Again. Fantastic. Angry Again is such a great song. It is. Um, but no, fantastic pick. You knocked it out of the ballpark on this one. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun, even though it uh, didn't it's hold up as... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bomb. <laughs> Double bomb. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, you have an awesome week, and we will talk to you very soon in the next episode. If you want to play along, start getting your Blu-rays, DVDs, or your streaming service, and uh, punch in Dread from 2012. And with that, I'll wish you all a good evening. Uh, Bye-bye.